Jason Albert, and you are listening to the Nordic Nation podcast from Faster Skier. I'm going to take a moment for some brief self-promotion. Nordic Nation is now on iTunes. You can go there now, multitask a bit, and subscribe to Nordic Nation if you have iTunes on your desktop or have the Apple Podcast app on your phone. Okay, yep. It's that time of year. The start of the World Cup is days away, and that must mean one thing. Some of you are mining FIS results for any revelatory data so you can pick a winning team for Noah Hoffman Cross Country Fantasy League. Disclaimer here, I think I played one weekend last year with my older son and we pretty much DFL'd, so I'm really not credible when it comes to picking skiers for your team. I am, however, fairly resourceful when it comes to reaching out to people in the know. So since it's Hoffman's League, we'll check in with him first. I got you here. You're recording. So uh, first off, what have you been up to this fall in terms of your more, you know, directly involved with the physical aspects of cross-country screening training and what have you? Yeah, so I had... um basically continuous opportunities to train with people from the end of New Zealand camp in mid-September um, through the end of uh, end of October. Um, I had first Carl Tomjarv from Estonia in town for two weeks to train with me. Then I had, I think, one week off before the Canadian national team showed up. And they were here for three weeks, including a one-week overlap with the U.S. ski team, which was here for a little more than two weeks. Um, and so it would, it presented a great opportunity for me at a really optimal time to have training partners for virtually all of my intensity sessions and to really transition from, a, a very much volume based training load into a more evenly split load between volume and intensity. And then I get this nice little period of, two and a half weeks after everyone left to kind of refocus on myself and design the training plan that, ex- that my coaches and I feel is, you know, exactly what I need um, and not have to work around anyone else's schedule. And I'm in the midst of that right now. I leave for Europe a week from Saturday on the 19th and um, I'm leaving Park City on the 17th to go do a fundraiser in Aspen and spend a couple of days with my parents in Aspen uh, they don't live there anymore, but we're all going to just be there because we have obviously a lot of connections there. And then I'll fly out of Aspen on the 19th for Finland. And then I will have my fastest turnaround ever to World Cup racing um, by a long shot. I, I will arrive Sunday night in Kusumo, and the opening distance World Cup is the following Sunday. So that will be a challenge for me. But we did it deliberately um, in an effort to shorten the season, in an effort to uh, keep the training load at a high quality as late as possible and in an effort to limit travel which has been one of the themes all year long my coaches and i are really happy about the way that i executed yesterday afternoon and it's something that i want to build on and um i have i did a five-hour double pull this morning i've got three three more intensity sessions and one more five-hour session before leaving for europe and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, things are exactly where my coaches and I want them to be. So I have no built in excuses and high expectations going into the season. And, um, I'm as curious as everyone else to see how things go. But the real questions, they're about the fantasy league and how it started. How did this come about and how have you made it work? So the idea for me um, started the 2014-15 season when I broke my ankle. And at the time, I was dating Amelia, who was, uh, no, was a free skier on the national team. Um, and she got me involved in what's called fantasy free skiing, which has been around for a while. And um, it is the same idea. You pick the skiers that you think are going to do well at each comp and the better your skiers do, the more points you get. But I loved it. And I, I knew nothing about the sport. I was able to be very successful for two reasons. One is I had zero personal investment with the athletes 
And the other is that I was getting insider information from Amelia about who was injured um, and who was skiing well and who was, you know, got not going to make it to the certain comps. And in free skiing, you know, the injury rate is so high that knowing who's going to start and who's not is half the battle. Well, how did, how, how did you do? So I was top five overall out of like 1,500 people playing. I did not win. Um, did anyone? <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Okay. <laughs> So that was a blast and it got me fired up. And so, you know, I, I, with the amazing work of my medical team, I was able to come back for the world championships that same season. And I got over to Europe and I was like, damn, like that is so cool. And now I'm going to world champs and this is so cool. But like, we should start this for Nordic. So Noah did obviously start this for Nordic. And then in September of the following fall, Adam emailed me. I had never met him, had, you know, had no connection with him. Emailed me off the email address on my website and said, I played your fantasy league for world champs last year. It was really fun, but you need a better platform. So I built one for you. And he included a link to this fully built fantasy website that he had like done from scratch. Yeah. So I'm Adam, uh, Adam Marr. I'm the developer of Noah Hoffman fantasy cross country. Um, yeah. And uh, where do you live currently? I'm uh, west of Minneapolis. I'm in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. Adam is no slouch, and he'll dispel the notion that Latin is dead. Uh, so I studied Latin and linguistics at Cornell University, but I also had a computer science minor. And as far as Adam's version of the Fantasy League origin story, here it goes. Yeah. Um, well, basically, uh, God... How long ago was it now? After my uh, sophomore year in college, I went to a hackathon with a couple friends. And that's like a really nerdy event where you just work on a piece of software and you do it you know, all night. It's supposed to be a 24-hour thing. And this is what we chose to work on. And basically, we didn't finish it. We won't go into all the details here, but the league also has a separate competition and series of prizes for the world championships starting in late February. And I had Noah explain a little bit, but what's the basic premise? You know, if you were explaining this to someone, you know, who had knowledge of cross-country skiers, but not knowledge of how to do the fantasy league. Like how does the fantasy league work, basically? Yeah. How do I go about playing? You log in, you have to have an account on the site, so you, you make an account and log in, and then you just have to select eight male skiers and eight female skiers, and that's your team. And then those skiers, can uh, they get points based on how they finish in races. So if they finish within the top 30 of a World Cup race, then they'll get a certain amount of points based on where in that top 30 they finish. Okay, and so from my understanding, it's kind of fluid. So you pick a team before a weekend's events, and you pick eight men and eight women. And those teams, like let's take your, let's take your eight women as an example, they are your team for both all of the events over the course of a weekend. It's not you're not able to change them, right? You can, however, change them once that series of events is over and you have, yeah, you have a five or six day break and then it re-ups again the next weekend. You can manipulate your team and change it. Yep. Okay. And in addition for each weekend of racing, is it, is there a winner after each weekend or is it cumulative over the season? Uh, There's a winner after each weekend as well as over the season. So let's use like a representation here. So if I look at, the furthest most blue dot across on the x-axis. Adam and I are looking at a graph he created a few years ago for a data analysis class. I'll link to it on the Faster Skier site. It's a graph illustrating how predictable cross-country ski races are. And let's call that blue dot Sunbee, okay? I mean, I'm just trying to make it easy. Um, So tell me what that blue dot represents then. Yeah, so it's the X-coordinate of 1,300 people had him on their team the first weekend. or I don't know if he's at 13 or 14. Um, And he scored 
you know, 22 or 2300 points over the course of the season. So what that represents, what uh, that kind of means uh, to a person that's looking at this graph is that even before he had scored any points, people were pretty sure that he was going to score a lot of points. We then compared that graph about predictability of outcome in cross-country skiing to an adjacent graph depicting predictability in fantasy football. And how does that differ? You have, on the right-hand side, you have fantasy football. And so from, you know, that's a very sort of common and popular, you know, if I'm, if I randomly told someone, yeah, I'm playing fantasy sports, odds are they're like, oh, you're playing fantasy football. Um, so how, what does fantasy football, what does that graph tell you about fantasy football and how it's different than cross country skiing? Yeah. So, um, on the fantasy football graph, there's no obvious trend. And that's the main thing that we're trying to show in these two graphs. Um, so you see like three outlying data points to, to the lower left on that graph. And perhaps that might make you think, well, there's kind of an upward, uh, <laughs> upward trend, but there's really not. Because if you look at the person who scored the most points, he had one of the worst draft orders in fantasy football. He was picked like, you know, 75th or something or 80th on average. <laughs> and, um, and then he went on to score almost 50 points more than any other athlete in fantasy football. The takeaway from all this, how a skier has done in the past, say during the past season or the past weekend's race, there's a pretty strong correlation between that performance outcome and how they will do in the future or the likelihood they will score World Cup points. Then we spoke about a behavior I'm guessing most North American players exhibit. It's called nationality biased. Just to prove my point, Hoffman told me that 11 of the 13 prizes last year went to non-North American fantasy teams. Okay, so let's get down to nationality bias and why did you guys choose to depict this graphically? Yeah, uh, because it's cool. It looks really cool. Yeah, they are pretty cool. Yeah, you definitely see this really cool trend. So at, at the top there, you see Sunbi and Yohav, and they're picked by almost every single team in the game. And remember that nationality is self-selected, so like 30% of participants. Um, this, this is only drawing from about 30% of participants, and they're fully self-selected as to whether they wanted to identify their nationality or not. And yeah, so but Sunbi and Yohav give a basic overview of how of where where these nationalities are. Like how many so about, you know, almost 30% of the game is from the US and then another uh, 25% or so from Canada and then you get smaller percentages as you get into Scandinavian countries. Yeah, so Yohag and Sunbi, almost everyone has on their team. And then uh, when you look at the Americans, you can definitely see... Well, let's, the, can, I, can, I, can uh, I ask a question before? Yeah. So um, I, I, I'm just looking on the y-axis there. You have percent selecting players from country. So let's just take the U.S., right, in week one. Yeah. Okay, so the bar goes up for the U.S. That navy color goes to about like 25%. Yeah. What is that 25% saying? Ah, great question. So, yeah, you see they always, I guess the y-axis, it is a little, the label isn't the best. I'm trying to think how to phrase it better. But, uh, yeah, they. Uh, so the percentage of the players that selected Sunbi that are from the U.S. would be 25%. That example, it's pretty clear. Of all the nationalities playing, 25% of the teams selecting Sunbi are U.S. players. Not a bad choice based on precedent. Sumby did well the previous year, and week to week, he's a good podium bet for distance races. But if you're Norwegian and you're biased towards picking your countrymen, not such a big deal if you want to score points consistently. But if your home country doesn't usually do so well, nationality bias can sink your prospects in the cross-country fantasy ski league. When an athlete is not scoring a lot of points, there's going to be a tendency for most of their fans uh, who are going to be from their nation as a rule to still select them 
but that's going to be the only group of people that will be selecting that athlete. And so when once they become more successful, perhaps it moves outside of their immediate immediate fan base of their nation, and you see a more uh, a trend that kind of reflects the overall makeup of the game uh, to a greater extent. Do you have information, or have you looked into the propensity of people to overlook results over the long term and choose by nationality? Simply anecdotal. <laughs> but, but, um, so, but that would be, yeah, that would be a great analysis to perform. And I bet you would get something pretty significant out of that. The better a skier is doing, more nationalities will choose that skier. So if cross-country skiing is predictable, something has to give when picking the team. But then it's like, I think about, well, everyone else is picking that team. I need to have one outlier. That That's the key to fantasy sports, right? <laughs> well, so tell me, yeah, what is the key? It's that outperforming outlier because you have to beat other people somehow. If you all just pick the same team, nobody wins. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> all right. I'm about to do my homework. It is hard, but it's it's actually pretty interesting because you it really reveals uh, a lot about human nature and our tendency to like choose you know filter through emotion rather than data absolutely yeah because right, it's freely available for you to go up and look up how many points or what the current rankings are and how many points people scored last year how many points they scored before that i mean you can compare how they do in the on the on the course that they're going to be on next weekend like if it's what toe black or whatever and they're going to be double polling you can look at how they did last time on toe block and when it was a classic race <laughs> when, when you were first getting involved with this you know and you were talking to your friends you're like hey let's go to this hackathon let's create this but had you been playing did you play that year when i think he just did the tour to ski yeah yep how did you do uh horribly <laughs> i'm so bad at fantasy <laughs> sports I'm, like i've even played my this this league that i run like I don't, I don't play it on the website because i think that's a little questionable um but i i played it locally for the first you know few weeks and i was just getting slaughtered i'm, I'm just bad at fantasy sports <laughs> I'm going to take Adam's statement literally. This one. I was just getting slaughtered. I'm, I'm just bad at fantasy sports. <laughs> He's clearly solid at writing code and analyzing the end of season data, but I did need to do my homework. Test, test, test. Hello? Hi, uh, this is Jason. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Uh, maybe you can help me out a little bit. How do I properly pronounce your name? Uh, Malin Tyrén. Malin lives in Sweden. So uh, I'm not in the north where they have snow, consecutive snow for many, many months. And I don't have that down here. So, But I do ski. But I'm really, really bad. If you're really looking to go the extra mile, here's Malin's social media strategy for picking teams. Can you fill me in on what happened last year when you you know played the Fantasy League? Yeah, sure. So uh, I think I uh, I missed the first, uh, I was late to the game. So I missed the first couple of weekends, I think. Um, so the, actually the first one I entered in was the uh, Tour de Ski. And that's the one I won. Going into the Tour de Ski, what was your strategy? And how familiar were you with you know, the skiers that you were picking. I'm pretty familiar. I lived in Oslo also at one point for three years. You kind of have insider information in a little bit. Not, not exactly, but a lot. But I mean, I follow most of them on Twitter or you get, I usually follow the skiers beforehand, before the season starts during training camps. Not that I go there, but I sort of go to websites or whatever and see how are they doing how are their um, test results and whatnot. I try to get information from all kinds of places, but usually I use my gut a lot. Who would be a gut pick? 
Like, I just have a feeling that this person is going to perform this week. I had that feeling with Maurice Magnificat from France, and I was right about that. It, it, it's a vibe, and it's if you go to the to the the race the the weekend before or two weeks before or whenever, you can see how they slowly, slowly, slowly improve. And then you, sometimes I actually do that, not a lot, but a little bit. I go to see the um, the results, and you can maybe you can see that he he was twentieth in this, and then he rose to fifteenth, and then top ten. So you can see the the form sort of like, okay, this is the weekend. He's going to be top three. The first World Cup is a weekend in Finland. And Saturday will be a sprint. And Sunday will be a 10 and 15K uh, individual start classic. Do you have any thoughts on who you may pick? Uh, Normally, uh, for a weekend like this, we're actually the... Any, any competition up to Christmas, basically. I think it's three or four or something. Usually I pick a lot of Norwegians, and there's a reason for that. It's cause, because there are so many good skiers in Norway, all of them have to prove to, to, the, um, to the coaches or whoever it is that I'm good, I need to be on the team this season. So all of them, like there's a lot of them who are really, really good in the beginning. And that's why you can have half of the top 20 is Norwegians. And that's not a weird thing at all. Gotcha. It's because they have to prove to the, lead, to, the, to the coaches that you need to pick me. They're never safe for the next World Cup weekend. Okay. Except for a few. They're always going to be safe. Um, but that's what I normally would do. Do you ever pick North Americans? Uh, what's her name again? Je- Jess? Jesse Diggins? Yes. Uh, I usually actually pick her, uh, especially if it's um, a skate competition. Not to say I or you shouldn't pick Diggins. She came on strong in the late season classic races last year, but the first World Cup weekend is a full classic weekend, no skating events. So I dug a bit deeper into my contact list for help picking a team. My next call caught my interviewee off guard. He asked me to call right back. Oh, yeah, no problem. So I, I'll give you five. Do you want 10 minutes? No, no, no. I, I literally only need two. I just had a giant cup of coffee this no morning. So okay. I'm going to empty the tanks before we dive into this because you're going to want to talk to me for a couple hours. I'm that fascinated. Oh, I'm sure. I don't want to have to edit a couple of hours, though. That's the thing. Well, you're not going to edit. You're going to run it. It's going to be like Gone with the Wind. it would be like a transfer of that. Call me in three minutes. Bye. Here's a proper intro to that guy, who also happens to be Faster Skier Czar of Gear Reviews. All right, a few things. Um, John Schaefer or Fast Big Dog? Did you say John Schaefer or Fast Big Dog? Yeah, I'm just like, how do you want me to refer to you? Or FBD? Let's go FBD. That's that's what my friends call me. So okay. you and I are friends. Let's take the relationship to the next level here, Jason. Go with FBD. After some more niceties, we got down to the business at hand, Fantasy League. Do you actually, have you played in the past? I have not. So, you know, kind of, I mean, again, all cards up here in the interest of full disclosure, I've essentially put absolutely no preparation time into this because again, you know, I like to approach this like I do my life, my skiing, certainly my writing, you know, just going in there blind, just kind of firing off shots, hoping something hits. I went over the basic rules. You have to choose a team for the first weekend. Okay. Okay. So, you know, the, the, the quick rules are you pick eight women, eight men per weekend. Okay. Okay. It's not per race, per weekend. And after yep. that weekend. I got you. Done. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. Let's go. You ready for my pick? Okay. So here we go. I'm, I'm going to dive right in. So my first, so no editing this, because this is, again, this is stream of consciousness. This is gold. This is where the magic happens. Uh, I'm going to say, so my first reaction is, um, do I get a doper and a non-doper team? Uh, let's just say that it's an equal playing field, hypothetically. Okay. Okay. All right. So, well, I'm going to I'm gonna start off with the obvious. So, um, I had a little bit of a cold the other day. So, um, you know, I decided to follow Sunbee's line of thinking. So, instead of took, taking two Sudafed, uh, I took 18 of them, you know, and I felt great. So I, I think those guys are really onto something. 
So you, you got to go with that. You know, it's the proven system, nine times, you know, the uh, allowable dosage, but it seems to work for them. So I think you got to go Sunbi. Um, and then I'm going to take Northug just because I think he and I are a similar size. We have similar haircuts. My guess, I don't have any direct empirical data, but just based on sort of uh, comparative normative data, I think our power output is pretty similar. And we're both, kind of, you know, I consider myself the bad boy of faster skier. So uh, I think I'll throw him in the mix as well. Let's see. Um, now, for my clean guys, um, I got to go, let's see. So for sprint, since I'm, I'll go with Andy and Simi. I think Andy's due to have a good year, and Andy's my boy. Same with Simi. That's my four. So now I'm going to go, um, since it's a distance race, I, you know, Hoff's my boy too, as is Tad. Tad's not over there yet. I'm putting Tad in there for my wild card. If you, uh, same thing with Brian Gregg. He's in that same category. And I guess I got to go with uh, Bjornsson and uh, Packer. Uh, those are both two good guys. And uh, I think Packer's another guy who's kind of up and coming. So I guess I got uh, Sunby, Nortug, uh, Simi, Andy. That's four. Uh, Noah, five. Bjornsson, Packer, six, seven. And then, um, mistake or not, I'll let you and FBD decide. The picks were a good illustration of nationality bias, as some of those skiers hadn't qualified for the World Cup yet. Then came the women's pick, and Yohog came up first. You, you got to go with Yohog, which you know. I mean, <laughs> how do you get busted in Italy? Like, you know, if any place you can assume that you got medication that wasn't properly labeled, it's Italy. Like. Even baggage claim in Italy is a disorganized shit show. So absolutely, you know, you think, all right, could you go into a pharmacy and, you know, get sunscreen or sunburn medicine, you know, that somehow had a doping agent in there? Yeah, I, I can see that happening. But to buy something that has a, you know, printed on the box in giant le letters, doping agent. <laughs> it's like. So we have Yohog. Yeah, let's see. So, um. Even though I don't think she's racing that weekend, but you want her? Uh, yeah, because again, I want to use the doping joke. All right, I'm going with that. Okay, so Yohog. So let's go. Well, so we'll start off with, I guess we'll do the dopers first. So we'll go Yohog, Wang, and then the clean girls. Um, obviously stoked that Keegan's coming back. So Keegan and Sophie. I like Sophie a lot, so she's cool. So let's go with uh, let's go with Keegan Sophie. Um, we've got Wang, uh, Yohog. So, and oh, I, I got to throw in. So another great person and someone who's kind of been, I think, on the outside of the system a little bit looking in, Caitlin Gregg. I love Caitlin. You have five. I got, I, I got five. I need three more. Um, let's see. I never quite kind got beyond the North American bias. Gear reviews, puffy recommendations, John Schaefer, FBD, he's definitely my go-to. But I needed some more big perspective and nitty-gritty advice. And I, too, was stumbling on that. So, actually, I called FBD back. Hello? Hey, how are you? Good. Can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah, it's pretty echoey, actually, but I can hear you fine. Where are you right now? Because I'm like desperate for, I'm really trying to track down some key information on uh, like who to pick for this team. So where are you? I'm in West Yellowstone, Montana at the Yellowstone Ski Festival. Okay, so I'm psyched I tracked you down. So who, you know, you, I don't know if you've talked to people there, but I am, I, I'm in need of contacting some experts about team selection for this fantasy league time's running out all right well you know what uh dude you're in luck because y you know how it is out here you you're running into someone you know every 30 feet which is part of the charm of west yellowstone and these guys aren't here but as you know in addition to being you know extremely uh well educated and well traveled i'm looped into a variety of different social circles so um the midwest connection i think is where you want to go here i know a couple guys I don't want to give their backstory because they're, uh, they're exactly what you're looking for. They're full-on Nordic nerds counting complex carbohydrate intake, protein-carbohydrate ratios, not a lot of social lives. You know, good skiers, they have some glaring social issues, so they're perfect for any type of fantasy league. And they're the guys who are going to be able to bring the goods on this. 
So one dude, uh, Dean uh, Nigelson, or Nigelson, um, he's Swedish or you know, has like the good Swedish ancestry. And he is all about this. Um, I think he lived over there for a while. He's definitely trained a bunch. And so he's got the inside scoop for sure. Got the whole Euro uh, perspective. And the other guy, um, I'm not sure of his background. I think he might be, I don't know if he's Russian. I don't know where the hell he's from. But um, I spent a little bit of time with this guy. Definitely talked to him a lot. Uh, it's Christor Svan or Svan. I'm not, who, who the hell knows how to pronounce it, but something like that. I know it's Christor. Christor Svan. Where do you live, Christor? And what's your background with skiing? Uh, I live in Minneapolis, and I uh, was a high school racer. I've, I've been a big fan ever since. Never had all that much success, though. And that's okay. And have you ever played before? I play all the time. Um, I, I love playing. I love playing Noah's uh, fantasy. I look forward to it all year. Who, do I, who else do I have on the phone here? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Dean Nicholson. But uh, Nicholson, S-S-O-N is Swedish derivation, actually. So here's my question first, is we could just get a little background on you, uh, is did you read um, Zach Caldwell wrote a post recently on um, Noah's Fantasy League? And I can bring that up. I'm not sure if you've read that. Yeah, do you know of that guy? Who's Zach Caldwell? Uh-uh. Well, I actually, I, I did read it. Uh, I thought it was pretty cynical and negative and I didn't really I didn't really uh, appreciate it that much because I love this game so much and sometimes I think Zach's sense of humor can be a little a, a little uh, a little mean you know yeah so something about like Noah let me read the title here I'll pull it up Noah Hoffman lives in a fantasy world oh that's kind of harsh that's that's what I thought I thought it was very harsh yeah something like and, and um, I mean he, he's in part of the nature of this write-up is discussing how much Noah's been training this year and uh, something like t- to date since the start of April. It was 782 hours and nine minutes of training since the start of April. And there was a quote from this other guy named Chris Freeman. And I'll just read this. Chris Freeman is a legendary big trainer. He once trained 94 hours and 20 days without a day off. Noah trained 96 hours in 21 days during his biggest block this summer. When I told him some of Noah's stats, he said, quote, that's a lot of training. Chris Freeman said that. That's not a fantasy. Thoughts on that? I mean, I don't know what those kind of hours add up to, but in, when I was ski racing, I know there was a lot of talk about like whether you were supposed to log the time you spent getting your clothes together and stuff. I think those guys... I'm, I, know, I know they're training a lot, but that sounds a little bit implausible. That's an absurd amount of training. I don't, I don't really believe that. That's probably counting stretching time and, uh, God, who knows what else. You can count nap time, for, for God's sake, if you, if you think about recovery and stuff. I think that's probably what Noah's doing. There's no way anyone can train that much. I mean, the most I, I tried to train over 400 hours one year, and... I got mono and overtraining, and that pretty much ended my career. Did that 400 hours, did you calculate or attribute into that figure like ski waxing time, scraping, brushing? No, no, I was really diligent. I kept it down to like the seconds. You know, if it, if it was one hour, 58 minutes, and 32 seconds, that's what I wrote down. Because uh, I, I really didn't want to cheat either way. And biking, you really, if you're going biking, you've got to log it at halftime or 60% at the most. I might have yeah. used 60% because I was standing on the uphills. Yeah, and some, sometimes I actually would clock out my watch when I went down a hill. Right, uh, right. You know, oh, obvious. Yeah, because my heart rate wasn't where it's supposed to be. Yeah, but your weight's supported by the bike unless you're standing. So if you're standing on the uphills, I think 60% is fair. Yeah. I just spent a lot of time with a calculator after all my bike rides trying to figure out how much time I could actually count it for. There's just there's so much coasting time and stuff. It was really confusing. That's another reason I think I, I stopped it. I just couldn't figure out how to log my training. I had found my guys. I needed to know more about how they go about strategizing for the Fantasy League. I explained a bit about my conversation with Mahalin, the woman from Sweden. So, And this is true. I interviewed a woman in Sweden who won the Tour de Ski in Noah's Fantasy League last year. I told these guys how she followed skiers on social media. Like someone posted, yeah, I had a 
a personal best for a time tri- a time trial that they have historic metrics for, and then applies that to her, to her ski picking, or, or for her uh, team picking in the fantasy league, and she won. Oh, I think there's a lot of room for subtlety too. I mean, I do it a little differently because I find that you know most of the skiers are trying to be very positive in their Twitter feeds and their, well, Instagram for sure is really like positive messaging because it's connected with their sponsors. And I, I understand that. So I found that I can learn a lot like with the U.S. ski team women by how high their heels go in the jumping shots in the week before a race. Like if you get a, like a, a Diggins picture with, you know, where she's jumping, like if her heels are actually about to hit her butt, pick a podium i i think that that is actually a pretty legitimate way of doing it you know and that's they're actually not the only women's team who does that now it's it's actually really hard to find a uh, picture of a of a cross-country team where where they're not jumping up and and trying to go as high as they can which is kind of ironic because it's a uh, it's a slow twitch muscle sport for the most part yeah but i think it's so become so much more power-based that the jumping pictures are have become like almost an inadvertent index of how ready they are for racing. Then Dean pivoted from the reliance on the jumping index for ski performance. I have a, maybe a little bit of a different approach, but I've, I've been an observer of the sport for a long time. And I think there's a certain qualitative approach that you need to have to really kind of get into understanding when the athletes are going to perform really well on the, you got to look at the facial expression. I think like, is it, is it real joy or is it like, uh, I got to like do a jumping shot for the sponsors. And I think if you can sort of observe the whole, I think you, it's like, it's like an ex- excitement and a happiness index is perfectly, mm-hmm. uh, perfectly goes into how fast they're going to ski. The yeah. Next yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you can just see it in the U S women. So it's not just the height, it's the smile. Yeah. It's everything. You it's know, it's, it's the head tilt. It's it really it's you just you just become better at this over time by studying these pictures. Yeah, I don't think you could do it. What about game face? What was that? What about game face? Put on your quote game face. Oh, you don't want to have the, no no. no you, the, need to, you need to smile. You know, no. I mean, have you seen it? Like, actually, Heidi Vang never smiles. Well, Heidi Vang doesn't show her face very much. She might be smiling under there. No. No. Do you think you don't think she smiled when she saw Yoha get handed a little bit of a sanction? Oh, hey, I'm, I don't want to go there. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, no, okay, no, no, so, I'm happy to talk ahead. about Yoha's sanction, but like the inter-team dynamics of the Norwegian women—that's just like I feel like that's slightly sac- sacrosanct. I, I, well, but that to me might be inside information that you might call from the internet right to like choose your team yeah, well okay so honestly well, who knows I, wang might have wang might have spiked her lip cream you never know no but i bet heidi wasn't that torn up over it actually probably not yeah i think she wants to win i think she does too dean also gave a quick refresher on the first world cup weekends race formats classic sprint, classic distance classic sprint for the women it's a 10k distance race after a classic sprint day we've been talking about how you guys go about picking or calling information for your women's selection so we have to choose eight or you guys need to choose eight for your team i just want to lead off with sadie bjornson she's her only weakness is distance skate and even that she's good at she's a threat in any distance and uh any format classic sprint classic distance in kusumo and she left Park City camp a week ahead of most of the national team and got on snow in Alaska, according to her Instagram. I think that a little more low-altitude time on snow training, especially with the rest of the team traveling pretty late, uh, is really going to come into play. I think she's going to be fresh, and I think she's going to – I, in fact – you know, we were talking about Heidi Vang, and she's a safe bet for, for a really good performance. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sadie was, was better on, over the weekend. Then Krister tried to interject about Vang. Dean would have none of it. That, that, that's pretty Well, sad. have you noticed that, that Heidi's, Heidi has some illness and some struggles, and she didn't go to the, the Lavinio camp for the end of uh, the, the late fall, the altitude camp? 
That's that's still pretty bold. I mean, I think I think as long as Wang can remember to actually finish the race instead of uh, cutting a lap off, that she's going to win uh, and she's going to win big this week. Okay, well, we got eight. Can we have Bjornsson on the team? Oh, Bjornsson is for sure on the team, but I, I would put Wang in front of her. Um, I mean, if, if going back to the, the jumping index and the smile index, she was ecstatic on all her social media this year. She looks so legitimately happy. Yeah, until the late fall. And then she disappeared because she was sick, I think. But you got eight spots. Sadie and Heidi. Yep. Uh, Stina Nielsen. Ah, she's just coming. Watch out. And she's Swedish. Yeah, I think the Swedes are going to be pretty uh, upset about how last year was. And I, I bet you they've been, they've been training a lot harder this year. They're going to just try a lot harder because, because of last year's uh, setbacks. Well, you want to know who's not going to be upset about last year? Stina Nielsen. Did you look at the results? Christian, what do you think? Well, I think you can't leave Bjorgen off the team. I mean, we, she didn't race all last year, but, and she had the child, but um, I think she's going to come back in the best, it may be even better shape than she came back in before. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole supermom thing, what do you got? You got, you got Bjorgen, you've got Keegan, you've Saranen. got Saranen, yep. and then who? There was another one? Um, I don't remember. Someone else. I think I remember that. Well, you obviously just weren't paying very good attention to the – you probably didn't check Facebook. I think you were probably just looking at Twitter and Instagram. It is. So it is I'm she, just thinking for the first weekend – I look, look, if we're talking mid-January, no doubt. I'm all over the, the super moms. You know, come I'm, on. Bjorgen. I'm going to hold off. You got you to gotta like Bjorgen. And, and Sarnen was just on the podium in, in Munio. Oh, you're right. Is that, how are you going to – Sarnen was. I forgot about that. So that's maybe a data point I wasn't factoring in. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that speaks well for the for the trio. I mean, You're the right. fact that Sarnen can come back that fast. Um, if yeah. she can do it, the other two. I mean, the other two have been faster than Sarnen in the last couple of years anyway. It's true. So are we adding that block of skiers or are we just adding Bjorgen? Well, Bjor- okay, Bjorgen, yes. Sarnen based on, well, that was a distance result even that was good. Yeah. I'm concerned about Keegan for the distance classic in Kusama. She has had some of her best classic races. She had breakthrough classic race there. She's got points. Who else do you think is up, who's strong up there right now? Oh, who's that Finnish woman who's such a good classic skier? We're talking about a Finnish weekend uh, points. Ben. I think I think I think that what we need to do is we need to hedge our bets a little bit because we don't want to have the whole trio in there. We don't know what's going to yeah, happen. Exactly. We don't. You know, it's there's so many uh, unknown factors. I mean, we should just pick one out of the trio to put in our to put in our uh, in our, our our top eight here. Okay. Well, if we're going to do that. I don't. The one I know the least about is Saarinen, except that she just finished right behind Kowalczyk. In well, I mean, let's look at the let's look at the results from from Munio again. You got you got Leitnin, didn't he win? We're talking about women. I know, but I mean, we've got world championships back in Lati. Yep. There, I mean, we got these these Finns okay. totally fired I up. I, I see where you're going. Let's I mean, I think they've okay. got their doping program is probably going up pretty good again. You know, they're going to get some extra funding there. You're making me really uncomfortable with that. But let's have, how about if we just go with Saarinen? All right. Okay. Saarinen and Kaval. I mean, Kowalczyk just dominated a whole weekend of racing in Finland. I'm putting her on the list. Okay. So who else do you think is up, who's strong up there right now? Oh, who's that Finnish woman who's such a good classic skier we're talking about a finished weekend uh okay uh, oh i'm blanking i'm blanking did she did she get married and their last name changed no no oh this is embarrassing that we don't know this i, I, I know I, it i know i totally know it i just can't remember it kylonen finish i'm just gonna google it finish kylonen uh, no Oh yeah, 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 and killing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, I have no argument with that. I think that was a great way to finish that off. Unless we want to put Bjorgen in, she's still like I got her off to the side. Yeah, you know, I'm 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 liking just one out of the trio right now. You know, okay. if, right. if if they Sarin and skis well, then I, we can go with the 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 full trio of uh, new mothers next week. We know that there are Norwegians. There's going to be more than one Norwegian in the top eight in both races if everything goes well. I'm just nervous about the team as a whole. You know? Yeah, I think it, I I I completely agree that they could just uh, 
be pulled out or, or, you know, or they might just not come in as hot. They might be like laying a little bit low. Right. Acting like they're not quite as good. Yeah. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. Take a little heat off before world. That, that could be a good, yeah. I mean, play, play possum a little bit. Like possum. Okay. The men. Kala Halverson. He's healthy. He was sick all last year. I think he's going to start hot. Two years ago, he started real hot. Nope, I don't think Halverson is going to do it. I think that I think that pretty much ever since uh, Petter destroyed him at the end of the 2013 Worlds, he just he hasn't been able to get his head back on. I don't think he's trained since then. I think he just shows up at races. Did you look at his 14-15 results? He was a top 10 threat in every single race. <laughs> top 10 is different than winning. And, uh, you know, he's Petter, a young guy. Times past just move. Okay. 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 I'm going to, I'm going to just write his name off to the side. You can put it off to the side, but it's not going on the list. Okay. Who do you want? Oh, who do I want? Well, we got to go with Petter. I mean, yeah. you know, Petter, Petter is not even with the national team. That's a good point. So he's not gonna, you know, he's, I know he's not using asthma medication. No way. No way. Nothing. Sprint distance. Everything. He, he can do everything. Matter. Yeah. I just got to say that I think Helner is going to be trash this year too. Just so don't even bring that up. But you were like just that. talking about how the Swedes were going to be hungry and train more. You didn't talk about the young guys. You know, we, they need to get get away from these old these old these old guys. I don't even know why people young keep. Guy, young guys like Kyle Halverson. Yeah, I mean, like young guys who actually have gotten some results recently and just got sick last year. Well, how old is he? I don't know, twenty six. Something. I think he's more like twenty eight. I mean, that's. Way past your prime. I don't know anyone would ski beyond that age. What is that funny? Yeah, I don't. What? What are you laughing at there, Jason? Is there a snicker there? I mean, no. It's just that there's, you know. I I, got, I have to take Ustiagov because I have never seen anyone just ski themselves into oblivion in the middle of the race, look like they can barely stand up, and then and then. Do it again on the next hill. I mean, that guy is tough. He clearly wants it more than everybody else out there. So I'm going to go with Ustiagov. Yep. Ustiagov's on the list. Okay. Nortug. Ustiagov. Six more. Is there anybody on the U.S. that we want? Uh, Bjornsson. Bjornsson? Look. Young guy. Upcoming. Real good classic skier. Good in sprint, good in distance. If we, I mean, it would be a bit of a like a you know a back the U.S. team thing. Maybe he's not a big bet for for top tens, but I'll tell you something. I think he'll score points in, yep. in either race. I think he'll score points for the for the league before the end of the weekend. What do you base that information? I mean, like, there's no. I, I don't know if the guys' team jumps much. You know, like looking at photographs or anything. Does he scowl? Is there something that makes him look harder than other folks? No, but he's, he seems to be the happiest guy on the men's team. And he trains on wood skis. I think there's like a completely different level of skiing when you're on organic roller skis. That you just, you get something more out of it. You're more in touch with. The, Is that where you think he gets his snap from? Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. It's a hickory shaft. I wish I could go back to my career. I was always on aluminum skis. I'm telling you, oh. if you're not on Hickory, you're probably not doing it right. Bjornsson, for sure. And what about the Hoff? I mean, Noah Hoffman Fantasy League. Should, shouldn't someone pick him for his own league? Do you, do you recall what happened in Kusumo before? I do recall that he broke his leg in Kusumo. That corner's still on the course. He's yes. not going to score any points in the sprint. So you're only putting him in the basket for the distance race. Do you think he's going to finish it? I think he's going to be terrified on that downhill, and he'll probably, like, sidestep it. Yeah. Okay, Bjornsson did. But also, like, didn't Hoffman have a great race in Kusumo two years ago or three years ago? Skating. Oh, yeah. Mm. Sorry, Noah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go with uh, no on Noah this weekend, but I'm not leaving I'm not leaving him out for Lillehammer. He's in my tour to ski list unless he's got a broken leg. 
I'm not going to, I'm not jumping ahead that far. I'm going to say that I'm just probably going to put him in Lillehammer no matter what happens this weekend. A thousand hours of training. He's going to my tortoise key. I thought it was more than a thousand. Thousand hours. We already covered that fact that in a thousand hours, there's no way he did that. You know, unless you count stretching and nap time. I still think that even if you count stretching and nap time, it adds up to a lot of training. I bet you he's the fittest guy in the world. The fittest guy in the world. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think I think it's got to be Soombi. Soombi's the fittest guy in the world. So are we going to put Soombi on the list, even though you know his, uh, his of his albuterol use? Is he going to be able to? Does he even get to the start without like? 20 puffs on a inhaler or like well, half 20, an hour with a nebulizer? I thought 20 puffs was legal. It was 35 that was illegal. Now you just, no. What? what? 20 puffs isn't. Well, what's the limit? 1,600 micro. Well, he was winning by a minute last year. So, okay, give him a dozen puffs. He'll get to the start. All right. All right. Somebody's on? Zumbi's on. Zumbi's on. I mean, okay. you can't. Maybe he'll only win by half as much as he did last year on half the dose, but uh, you can't leave someone that's been that dominant off the team. Okay, we got some bees on. One, two, three. We got four more. What about uh, Van Hagen Crow? Van Hagen Crow. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Let's put him to the side. Okay. Uh, what yeah. about the Finnish guys? You know, we were talking about uh, how revved up everybody is this year uh, for for the world. Finnish women are a known entity. The Finnish men, the Munya results, it was the guy coming back from an EPO suspension who won. I'm sure that Wada just assumed that since he was on an EPO suspension for two years that he wouldn't cheat during that two years. So he's been able to dope up all this time and he's going to be great. <laughs> I kind of want to take Lloyd then. You know, I mean, why would a doper, you know, a doper is, is clearly not going to stop doping just because he's not being monitored. You know, they didn't want to get caught. I'm going, I'm going with him. I, I would like to keep him off the list just as a protest. As a protest? I just like when we start talking. This is about, about winning. This isn't about morals. Okay. He's on. Let's break in here. I get the fact that this selection process might be tedious, but all things considered, I wanted to do my due diligence. And what better way to do that than listen to Dean and Krister with limited editing? We're on number six here. And I'm, well, Magnifica? In a classic sprint weekend? I mean, I'll grant you that he had some good classic results last year, but a classic and a sprint? No. Okay. Straight no. Well, what about double pulling? Is anyone going to double pull the sprint this year? Because he's a hell of a double pull. You clearly have never, ever been in Kusumo, let alone skied up those hills. I have seen it on TV. It doesn't look that steep or that hard. I'm sure these guys are strong enough that they can double pull it now, especially, you know, unless they put a striding zone in this year. They're not putting striding zones in the World Cup. Don't you read Longren? I thought that they could if they wanted to, no? No, that's in fist races, but they're not doing it for World Cup. Well, then we're definitely going to see a double pull this year, and I think Magnificat might be able to pull it off. Magnificat double pull? He double pulls really well. Did you watch the relay last year in in uh, in, um, in the che- in Czech Republic? Did you watch that relay? I mean, he didn't su- double pull that. He did so. He was double pulling. I mean, and the Norwegians don't even call it double; they call it staking. And he can skate, so I think he can stake pretty damn well. <laughs> That's good logic. <laughs> I think Nifika is the stupidest pick that we've even discussed yet. If we've got Halverson off to the side and we're putting Nifika When on, he makes his first qualification in the Classic Sprint staking this weekend, I'm going to laugh in your face. But I won't put him on. I won't fight. We've got to talk about Kriakov because he's like the one guy who's out double-pulled Northug on that finish stretch, right? Yes. And Wasn't that him? That was Kriakov. Yeah, Kriakov did out-sprint out him there and he... Uh, and he's he, getting old enough. I think... That if he skis the, the distance race, he could be good. Ooh, I hadn't really thought of that. Um, that's 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 really possible. Do you think that the Russian coaches are going to give him a chance to do that, though? Um, you know, they've got they do have reduced start rights this year. Yeah, I don't know if all those big nations get to start fewer people. I don't know if he's going to get into the second race or not. That's a good question because it's not a mini. But at I the same thinking, time, Kriakov 
did win his first World Cup in quite some time last year in Falun and did it, uh, did it staking and did it very well. He's not going to stake this thing. He's going to crush it. If anyone could stake, it would be him. I think we should do that. Okay. Three top. One, one more. One more guy. Alex Harvey. Alex. We're going with Alex. Oh, that was an easy discussion. Yeah. Yeah, no discussion on Harvey. I, evidently not. Yeah. I mean, do we need to discuss it more? No. All right. I think that's it, right? Do you want to run through your guys' team one more time? Just run down the names. We got Nortug, Ustigoff, Bjornsson, Sunby, Leitonen, Finn Haugenkrog, Kriakoff, Alex Harvey. Okay. That was a good team. That's a good team. Yeah, that was good. First off, after all that, I'd say there's no way any listener doesn't have at least half a shot at winning. Before we close this out, I do want to circle back to Noah Hoffman. He's got this brief explanation of the difference between the head honchos of fantasy sport and his league. The big thing I need to emphasize, though, with with fan uh, fan duel and uh, DraftKings is that you know those ones you're putting real money on the line and you're winning. And mine is, is totally free to play, and you're just winning prizes from the sponsors. And so, you know, I, I think that <laughs> probably from a legal standpoint, it's, it's important for me to, to emphasize that there's no betting going on here. <laughs> no betting, no money on the line, only egos. So here's the burning question asked straight up. My older son has been eager. He's like, okay, we need to pick our team, Dad. It's getting close. So uh, that said... How would you draft yourself? Would you choose yourself? <laughs> uh, certainly not for Kusumo because Kusumo is a single sprint race and a single distance race. And, you know, I would essentially have to podium in the distance race to make it a worthwhile pick because somebody who gets 10th place in both races would probably generate more points than I do if I was fifth in the distance race. Um, and I won't even enter the sprint. And so I would not pick myself for, for, uh, for Kusumo, you know, I think that if I am skiing the way that I believe that I can, um, that when I come into the tour events and essentially you want to pick the top eight in the tour, um, because those are the people that are going to get the most points, um, almost regardless of how they do on a stage by stage basis, because there's only half points available for the stage. And like in the tour to ski, it's quadruple points at the end of the tour. Um, you know, I think the top eight in the Tour de Ski, with it ending with a hill climb and being seven distance, or sorry, six distance races out of seven stages this year, that's top eight in the Tour is something that I believe I can do um, if I'm skiing the way that I believe I can. Um, so that that's that's when I would be interested in in picking myself. <laughs> By the time you hear this, Hoffman will have arrived in Europe. And hear Hoffman out here. By choosing the skiers on your fantasy league team with logic and less emotion, you might help him save on shipping cost. Yeah, so an interesting thing on that is that so the the sponsors have basically all committed, um, but saying, you know, because they are more or less all importers of their products, they can't really ship internationally. Um, and so they basically have, have, you know, signed up for this league and with, but said, you know, I, I need to be responsible for the international shipping. Um, which is which is great, except for the fact that last year we had, of the 2,400 people that played, 60% of them were Americans. And yet of the 13 prizes that we gave out, 11 of them were international. Um, and so Americans did terribly um, relative to their international counterparts last year. And I don't know if that's because they picked Americans more than they picked other teams or if it's because they're less educated about the sport. But it was frustrating from a shipping standpoint that the Americans didn't do better. <laughs> well, maybe you need to head over there with your swag and ship it when you, I mean, all things being the same, maybe hold off and ship it from Russia at the end of the season. I don't know. Uh, right. No, I, I've thought about it. We actually, I did, I did get some of the prizes carried across the Atlantic last year for me. Um, but it, it ends up being a, it can be a, an expensive deal to check extra baggage and it can be a, quite a logistical nightmare too. So, so that's, you know, at, as I said, I've kind of committed this chunk of money, um, towards the league and I've budgeted that shipping in. So, but I'm still hoping that Americans, uh, do better as a whole. Thanks for listening to the Nordic nation podcast from faster skier. 
We're hoping you might have garnered some insight from Dean and Christoph. And as I mentioned at the start, we are live on iTunes. You probably already know the promotional drill, but we would love for you to subscribe to Nordic Nation and leave a rating on the iTunes page. All that helps us in the long run produce better audio content. And when you're picking your team this week, follow John Schaefer, a.k.a. FBD's lead. Remember, though, some of this is fantasy. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to dive right in. So my first, so no editing this, because this is, again, this is stream of consciousness. This is gold. This is where the magic happens. 